Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry, where we get to talk to people who are building a more humane world from the inside out. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is a dream designer traveling artist talking to us from Austin, Texas, Daniel Ogwen. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Dick. How are you? <laughs> My new friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just yeah. start smiling when your voice comes on. It's great. <laughs> I know. I, I, I looked in the mirror as you said my name and noticed my white teeth shining back at me <laughs> gee you have a mirror next to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no comment no comment hey uh so great to meet you uh, on the phone yesterday briefly and and to get to likewise. know you a bit likewise yeah you're part of this uh upcoming social artistry odyssey event which is how i got connected with you Correct. But you do stuff all over the world. Uh, that event happens to be in Hawaii, where you may live sometime. Is that correct? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I was born and raised in Hawaii. And oh, okay. um, although I didn't grow up on Maui, which is where this year's Odyssey will be, um, I think all of Hawaii is, uh, of course, near and dear to my heart and uh, will always be my one true home. Mm-hmm. All right. Have you been there? I ha my daughter has, but I haven't. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I I've traveled the other directions, uh, gone east uh, and south, but uh -huh. never west past uh, mm. Treasure Island, San Francisco. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so this is your show, Daniel. I I I want to just offer you a chance to tell us all about you uh dream designer uh i didn't know you yeah. were designing my dreams for me <laughs> yeah um interestingly enough the self-proclaimed title actually was inspired by a man named joel bauer okay. and a good friend nate I'm, I'm sure you've met nate rimmel at odyssey in the past i he think so to the event where mm -hmm. it was all about turning passion into profit and in order to do so, just like they teach you at other marketing and branding events, they said, you got to stick out. You can't just tell somebody you're a graphic designer. You can't just tell somebody you're an artist uh, because then you just fit into the mold of mm -hmm. a million other designers and artists. So I thought to myself, you know, at the core of what I do is I have somebody who comes to me with a dream, mm -hmm. right? a vision, something that's unseen. Mm -hmm. It's just a thought. And then my my duty and obligation is to act as a like a dream projector or a thought projector. Wow. And so that's where that title of dream designer came. And uh, Sarah has done a really good job at uh, promoting that and uh, inspiring me to own that more and more. So whenever I get the opportunity to lay down my title, I always put dream designer. And some people are just as curious as you. They say, gosh, what on <laughs> earth does that even mean? <laughs> Therefore, it's a really good name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it sparks curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 dreams 
in and of themselves are also uh, very important to me. My dad is a psychologist and a counselor and would actually uh, teach me from a very young age how to interpret dreams Mm -hmm. in my own way outside of typing into Google or looking in a book like, what does X, Y, or Z mean? Uh, He would inspire simple questions like, um, if, let's say the dream was about a whale swimming in honey, he would say, Daniel, and I would come to him and I'd say, Dad, like this dream was just so vivid and it, it, it rocked me for a week straight. I really want to get your interpretation of it. And he said, Dan, like, nobody can do that but you. And mm-hmm. so he would ask me a simple question. He would say, Daniel, if the whale had a voice, what would that voice say? Mm-hmm. And then almost instantaneously, something that came from my subconscious mind uh, stepped into my conscious mind and I was able to say, oh, that, if that whale had a voice, it would say, become me, for example. Mm-hmm. And then he'd say, okay, great. And if the honey had a voice, mm-hmm. what, would the, what, would that, what would that voice say? And then I'd say, you know, like, I love you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and if you, this, is, this is a completely made up example, but, and if I tied the two together, it'd be something like, become love. Ah. And so that's something that my subconscious was trying to speak to me, and, and then I brought it into existence. And this helps especially with reoccurring dreams or reoccurring nightmares. Um, if we're able to dig into the amber of our subconscious, mm-hmm. then we might just find you know the gold hidden inside, mm-hmm. and then prevent that reoccurring nightmare from ever happening again. That's that's uh, something I've done in the past. Do you include when you say your subconscious something, some call the cosmic consciousness or the universal mind? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that can exist. My dad would call it the um, collective conscious. Collective conscious. I think that Mm -hmm. um, I I don't remember the specific moments, but I would either come to him with an enlightened thought or a problem. And I I definitely say those are the two things we touch on the most. And I'd say something and he'd say, well, Dan, I think you're tapping into the collective conscious or the cosmic consciousness right now, because there's just things that are timeless, that are Mm -hmm. universal law, Mm -hmm. that are things we sometimes can't even understand. Uh, And, um, but yeah, he, he has touched on that. How, and I and how, I do believe that yeah, go ahead. How young were you when he started using language like that? Oh from a very young age, I can't I'd say around five years old, I remember mm-hmm. him saying things that he still says to this day, like, uh, Daniel, uh, you don't come from me, you come through me. Mm-hmm. I can never own you mm-hmm. and I can never control you. I can only help guide you. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, talked to me about compromise, like these amazing traits that developed me and my sister into the people mm-hmm. that we are today about mm-hmm. not using triangular communication, like going to somebody else about my problems, hoping mm-hmm. they'll tell the other person, like direct communication. He, he spoke a lot about communication. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because it's not a, only about the communication between ourselves and other people, it's the communication that 
we have in our own minds and how we communicate with ourselves and the questions we ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. So those are the things he taught me to do as well, is just, just be like sit in silence and don't be afraid. I remember when I first, I would say, became aware of my own thoughts. I was in college about 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I just became aware of my own thoughts and it scared me. Mm-hmm because I was recognizing patterns I was having and I was listening to my own voice for the first time. And Mm -hmm. it was just a very, it was like puberty for the brain. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very confusing time. And I came to my dad and I was asking him, what is going on? What is this ringing in my ears? And he'd say, oh, that's uh, tinnitus or tinnitus, however you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, like, how do I stop thinking? He's like, Dan, you can never do that. Uh, if you, if you need help, going to sleep, for example, when your mind is, when your mind is chattering like crazy, just uh, pretend you're in an elevator and count backwards from 100, and that'll calm you down. Uh, if you want to try meditating, he taught me meditation techniques. Uh, so, and, and some of the books, like the earliest books he gave me were Conversations with God mm-hmm. and, um, and um, The Prophet by mm-hmm. Khalil Gibran. Well, The and, Prophet already um, went through my mind when you were talking about yeah. A comment earlier that your dad had made, he was like, oh, that's the way you raise kids. You don't own them. They yeah. come through you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I went right yeah. to that page in, in The Prophet. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's like, how can that particular, is that an original thought? Is that a unique thought? Or is that just collective consciousness? Would be Again. an example I bring up. Is yeah. that something right. that... You know, who who can you give that credit to, that, that particular thought? There's, there's no author to that thought. Is that, you know, some might consider that, like, just universal truth. And I, and I, um, yeah, I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I married my wife, Marcia, in part because I had a dream that I was marrying her. <laughs> and. Wow. At the time, we didn't like each other at all, mm. <laughs> but uh, we were in a church together, and I I did uh, share the dream with the pastor, and it seemed mm-hmm. as though over the years, matchmaking had its way of fulfilling the, the dream, in, at least in, wow. uh, in part. So w- we have a lot of honoring of dreams in our family yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Appreciate your bringing that up. Yeah, and I think even just bringing it back home, um, I, I very much champion other entrepreneurs and artists and creatives uh, to follow their dreams and to not let them become stagnant and filled with cobwebs. I'm, I'm always trying to inspire people all of my friends in my tribe are always trying to inspire other people to get up and, and make that dream come true. Um, so that's become very important for me as well and something that uh, both my parents have is that, blessed me with. Is that part of what uh, your presentation – I know I know at this uh, social artistry odyssey in Maui uh-huh. – uh, which what that happens in April, I believe, right? Yeah, April fourteenth to the eighteenth. Uh, then you're going to be there probably the whole time, but you'll have particular opportunities to be the focus of presenting something to 
the attendees. Is that the way you see yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 we, um, we were just at a gathering, and we separated into small groups, and every single person in the group I was in said they wanted to travel. Hmm. And so we're going to be in one of the most sacred, divine places, in my opinion, on Earth, in mm-hmm. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, a lot of people there might, I think it's just intrinsic in us all that we have this desire to see and experience the unknown and, and to travel and to be mm-hmm. an adventurer. And so uh, I wanted to talk on that. I wanted that to be my subject because I've just had the privilege and courage to go out and do it for so many years. Mm-hmm. And it's not as hard as people think to be able to uh Find a service that you can do from your laptop and travel anywhere in the world you want to. And in some cases, be paid to travel and to stay with people who you can work for in exchange for living there for months on end. My goodness. So I wanted to use uh, the platform of Odyssey to Mm -hmm. teach people what I've learned and what I've experienced and just try to add value so that other people can be inspired to do the same. Wonderful. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, you've you been, I don't know if you say you've been around the world or you've been to many places in the world yourself, so it's not as though you are talking <laughs> something you haven't experienced. Right, right. And yeah, I had another young man on who uh, last year, a uh, Mizzou college student, and he was yeah. saying the a very, very similar thing. He, on his phone, had created various different businesses mm-hmm. that ended up helping to pay for his travel. And mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. backpacked through South America, and he went to Thailand and all these other different places. So I understand that at least um, there is a, a, what would you call it? Is, is this a generational thing, or is this just uh how is this happening now? Because we have, uh, you know, cell phones that we can do this? Yeah. Uh, I always say you just need a good internet connection mm-hmm. and a bank account <laughs> and your laptop, really. Uh-huh. I mean, I mean, that's it. Yeah. You, could, you could consult people. And, this, and the cool thing is that as soon as you touch down at anywhere in the world, uh, humans are all the same. They're all in need of an expert. Mm-hmm. So everywhere I went, people just seemed to be interested in art and design and would say, oh, I, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm thinking about doing that. I need a logo. I need a website. And so it's just so convenient mm-hmm. for me to land anywhere and, and meet people who need my services. And I think the same holds true for a lot of other people as well in different mm-hmm. uh, fields of expertise. So this reminds me of... Uh, some things that I would tell my students uh, in college. I taught college mm-hmm. for 30 years, and and uh, one of the things was find any any area that you can become an expert in. Yeah. Any area. It, it, yeah. The most odd, doesn't matter. And as an expert, you have an entry into places you would never have guessed. And then you absolutely. So I would imagine part of your uh, Odyssey 
um, presentation is, or, or someone's presentation there is to, is to find that uh, that expert in you or that thing that you have the passion for that you would then uh, massage and grow and build and network with and so on. Precisely. Um, that's actually the number one thing that I would touch on is mm-hmm. is skill. Mm-hmm. The type of person you have to be. You have to be insanely good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Almost a master. Mm-hmm. Like 10,000 hours worth of practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, an old mentor of mine would say 2 a.m. courage, where you're just staying up into the wee hours of the morning because you're so dedicated and passionate about what you do and you want to get better and you want to serve people and you want to help people. Um, it becomes an obsession, I think, at, at least from my experience. I, I was obsessed for almost 10 years straight about being a great artist and being well paid for it. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the number one thing that I would, and, 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 and you can almost break down skill and expertise into two separate compartments because one is that technical specialized side for me it would be learning color theory different softwares um how to draw the human figure how to draw animals you know how to design a logo whatever it may be and then the other side is the personal skills i think so there's been a lot of moments where i had to learn and practice patience and the value of deadlines uh, the value of communication, uh, how to multitask, uh, so things like that, goal setting, mm-hmm. um, the science of success, learning the laws of success, so latching on to some of the most amazing personal development authors of all time, like Jim Rohn and Wallace Waddles and um, Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had a, a deep desire not just to grow in my area of expertise, but I looked at myself as an art project mm-hmm. and I wanted to be, you know, the best piece of art that I could be simultaneously. Yeah. Right. So I think those two really, really go hand in hand and that's something uh, important, I think, in any area of expertise that we're talking about. In a, would you agree? I would agree. Tell us about uh, Eternal <laughs> Eyes Design, your website, and we'll yeah. see how it goes. <laughs> um, so to eternalize something means to make it last forever. And my play on words was the word eternal, mm-hmm. and then the word eyes, like the two eyes on our face. Mm-hmm. And what that means to me is making visions last forever, mm-hmm. and more specifically, making positive visions last forever. Mm-hmm. So when someone comes to me with a vision or a dream, uh, I, I want to make sure that they can hold on to that uh, for as long as possible and not have to revisit another designer or revisit me and say, I'm getting kind of tired of this. This is, this is looking old to me. Mm. Uh, can we try something else? Uh, so that's where that, um, that, that name of my company comes from. Mm-hmm. So when I go there, I see phenomenal graphics, colorful, living kinds of, uh, images that that you've produced for companies um, all over the world it seems like um yeah how how did you do that (laughs) (laughs) um practice 
Yeah. Uh, I, I arrived at completing those projects uh, through a lot of practice on my end, but also uh, I can't ever take all the credit because it's a team effort between myself and the other person I'm designing for and with. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times I'm just being guided and thankfully, I, like I said, I think that, that comes down to a, a certain skill set of, of being able to work with people intimately mm-hmm. and to understand them and to be open to their ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's, that's how that's achieved. A lot of uh, very sensitive listening uh, in picking up on the essence of what their dream is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have Google and very just you know big name people or companies that you've uh, that you've worked for. Um, yeah, how did they find you, or how did how did you get into a? a uh, what was your first big gig? Probably Google, to be wow. honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that was a huge shift in in my career where. Uh, both as a as a big name as a portfolio piece, but also for the level of my confidence. Mm-hmm. It was right around that same time where a lot of people started contacting me, uh, requesting my work and services, and I felt so much more confident to raise my rates, which is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And um, but to answer your question. Um, how I got that job was simply through reputation mm-hmm. and degrees of separation. Uh. So I could trace things back like Benjamin Button. I'd say I went to college. In college, I met a friend. That friend introduced me to somebody else who offered me a position as an intern in a studio mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And then years later, uh, my my good friend Michael McConnell, who was my mentor in that internship, uh, ended up working for Google and reached <laughs> out to me and needed somebody who could accomplish um, that task. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, once that portfolio piece, that trophy, I would call it, is, mm-hmm. is up on the website, mm-hmm. then it's so easy for somebody else to say, oh, wow, look at that. He obviously is trusted by one of the biggest corporations in the world. I, I mm-hmm. bet he could accomplish this too. Right. And so it happens again and then it happens again. Mm-hmm. And, um, but really I think it's just through reputation, which mm-hmm. is again, another mm-hmm. extremely valuable, uh, thing that we can all work on is how do people perceive us as humans and as service providers? Mm-hmm. Because that's what matters most is, is our mm-hmm. reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, Daniel. Um, also, mm-hmm. uh, let me let me tell the folks who you are again. Daniel O'Gwen, O G U I N. You're at uh, EternalEyesDesign.com, right? Mm-hmm. We'll take a station break and then we'll okay. call you back. All right, talk to you in a okay. couple of minutes. Thanks, Daniel. Bye.
And welcome back to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton. My guest today talking to us from Austin, Texas, is Daniel O'Gwen, whose home is in Hawaii. Are you on the line again, Daniel? Yes, I am. Okay, good. It's cleared up. It's Murphy's Law, right? Already it sounds better, yeah. Uh, just just a little louder, Dennis, and I'll be good. Thank you. Dennis is our engineer that I couldn't He's do great. without. <laughs> well, Daniel, um, I saw in something you sent me mm-hmm. a statement that you went through your hero's journey in oh, yeah. California in 2011. That would yeah, be nine right. years ago. That's right. We've had a, a couple of guests that talked about the hero's journey. Uh, I don't uh-huh. think it would be uh, inappropriate if you could share a little about your understanding of what that means, uh, sort of yeah. coined by Joseph Campbell uh, That's correct. a few That's years correct. back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know about Joseph Campbell back in 2011 it was actually my uncle who um inspired that uh a few months before i took off on a plane and and landed in california in the internship i was just mentioning hitherto Mm -hmm. and basically what i knew was i was cranking out artwork spending 12 to 14 hours a day in hawaii in my home Mm -hmm. at my mom's house pushing the portfolio to any job opportunity I came across, but nothing was clicking. Mm -hmm. And I had this thought that I needed to place myself geographically where the money was, where the artwork was, where the agencies were, where the companies were. Mm -hmm. And so I made the commitment to buy the ticket and go visit an old friend of mine who I was doing T-shirt designs for, Free T-shirt designs, by the way. And <laughs> as soon as I purchased the ticket, I think through the grace of God, my old mentor Michael McConnell reached out to me and said, "Hey, I have an opportunity for you. It's a paid internship." And I said, "Great." And so I followed that. Mm-hmm. And it was during that time where, I mean, everybody's heard of the term starving, being a starving artist, and that's exactly what I was. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough to stay with a very, very good friend of mine, Adrian Hernandez, for mm-hmm. months on end. And eventually, of course, like any good friend would do, he said, Daniel, I think it's either time you, you start paying a little <laughs> rent to sleep on our couch or you gotta, you, my roommates are telling me you got to go. And so I was like, okay, shoot. Um, and I mean, I, I ended up deciding to sleep in my car for months and, Mm. and scrounge for food. And then I'd eventually end up getting food stamps and, uh, taking any possible job I could, uh, waiting on the paychecks to come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the, the struggle to get to where I'm at, um, has that as my foundation. So that's Mm -hmm. something that I have that taught me utter gratitude and uh, for for the people that helped me mm-hmm. and also for every meal that I have because the meals, you know, didn't come easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it did was it forced me to work. 
I had no fallback option. I had no other plan. And so that's how I became sort of a Renaissance designer because people would reach out to me and say, hey, can you do a logo? And I had never done a logo in my life. Mm. But I would say, yes, absolutely. I can mm-hmm. help you. I know how to do it. And I'd learn on the spot. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes with animation, doing web design. T-shirts, I love albums. the word yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Said it many yeah. times in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I I even stay, I'm, I'd say I'm still on that hero's journey. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's where it all started um, in looking up to my heroes mm-hmm. who some of them became my personal mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even look at a mentor online and call them your hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's really like a parable, uh, like a timeless parable. We, mm-hmm. we, lo- we look at them in, in movies like Star Wars. Everybody needs a master to look mm-hmm. up to, to help them show them the ropes, to allow them to excel further. There's mm-hmm. always going to be pitfalls and it's always like growth. I remember relating myself to a vine back then, just latching onto anything I could mm-hmm. to help me to grow. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm still, uh, my, my Capoeira instructor says all the time, I am a student who teaches and a master who learns. And he is, he is a master, but he's, uh, always hoping to learn more mm-hmm. and to n- he's just never willing to completely consider himself a master even though other people look at him as such mm-hmm. I'm not saying at all that I'm a master or really an expert I still like I have so much more room to grow so therefore mm-hmm. I still consider myself on this hero's journey and one of the descriptions of a social artist is a lifelong learner so mm. uh, um, that it fits right in yeah, yeah. What is what has your experience been like as a social artist? My latest <laughs> is this radio show, mm. um, and it uh, was a gift. Um, I had no um, uh, ambition of becoming a radio host, mm-hmm. but I had retired from teaching, and mm-hmm. uh, I had written a book. And I was being interviewed about my book, uh, I Am Not My Thoughts. And a host here at the station overheard my interview and wanted mm-hmm. to have me on his show. Wow. And then I did that, but then he said, hey, I've got to leave town. I, I need mm-hmm. to go back to California. He said, mm-hmm. can you take over my show? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it was just that simple. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, what do you want to call your show? And uh-huh. this phrase, glocal news in social <laughs> artistry. I love it. And then, well, what is a social artist? And and it's sort of a, a, um, a crystallization of all my experiences with Gene Houston and, and all the trainings yeah. and all. It just sort of came out, well, it's people who are building a more humane world from the inside out (laughs) you know it just it just uh it it could have come from that collective consciousness as far as i know uh in terms of of how those things happened and i get to meet people like you and sarah and Lindsay and and people all over the country 
mm-hmm. that are doing just that, you know, building a more humane world. And, uh, yeah, I, I have not met the, in person, the close-knit community of social artists, because I've never attended. This will be the first Odyssey that I'm going to attend in April. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, it's an, very, yeah. it's an interesting, you know, you say a close-knit community, and I'm sure there are pockets of community that have developed mostly are around the sort of tribe idea and the generation that you're part of mm-hmm. that really kind of created Odyssey. Uh-huh. Um, before, there was uh, social artistry intensives, that uh, Gene Houston and, and Peggy Rubin and and the team would put on for like 10-day intensives, wow. and they would have guests, people come in, and, and there was dancing. You know, it was like an odyssey just uh, expanded and extended mm-hmm. uh, with 100 people or so. And, and so wow. I got to go to a number of those, and mm-hmm. that was my training. Uh, and wow. experiences, and uh, then I got to go to an Odyssey, which was uh-huh. it. It it was sort of that. Wow, this is so much more intimate, and so yeah, yeah. There was just a a quality to it that I loved, and I won't be able to go in April, but uh, that's okay. There will be oh. a, a good contingent there, I'm sure. Yeah, what a pity. I'd love to meet you in person. Well, at least I say that today. Uh, maybe I should uh, talk to my wife a little more about. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. I, I haven't made a commitment for sure. I think we're on to something. Um, <laughs> if I could inspire you, I think that this Odyssey is obviously going to be like anyone in the past. A big focus of ours this year is to um, practice teach and implement environmental awareness Mm -hmm. and earth restoration techniques. Mm -hmm. And that really all does start at the core of who we are, the decisions we make. And it it, just like social artistry, building a more humane world from the inside out. uh, We, we do feel like earth kind of needs us to join hands both with, other people around the world, but also join hands with the earth itself and, mm-hmm. and take care of it and respect it mm-hmm. and, and give gratitude for it and uh, treat the earth how it deserves to be treated. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of days on the farm. We're going to be eating ta- uh, food that's from farm to table, and there's going to be uh, some pretty amazing stargazing nights where mm. we're going to have an educator that studies ancient Hawaiian practices that's going to teach us how to navigate the stars. Hmm. And uh, there's going to be a few speakers talking about rewilding, getting back in touch with nature. Mm -hmm. I myself would love to inspire people to fall in love with the earth. Mm -hmm. Because when you fall in love with something or someone, you don't want to hurt it or them. And uh, just some really simple daily techniques that I've learned and practices that I've learned. I had the privilege of working with uh, Paul Hawken and his uh-huh. wife. Paul Hawken's an incredible author right. and environmentalist, and I got to help him do his uh, social media when he released uh, Drawdown and Project Drawdown. And I, I had the book that he authored just before that that had uh-huh. the catalog of all the 
NGOs and different groups around yeah. the world that were uh, yeah yeah wonderful yeah I mean service. two simple things they are the in the top ten out of a hundred solutions that made it into a book the top two solutions two of the top ten solutions are food related and they're the ones I just love to share the most because. They're so easy because we eat food on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a choice we get to make multiple times a day. And one thing is eating a more plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. So even if it's just meatless Mondays, for example, or even if you decide not to eat meat on the weekends, nobody's pushing anybody to go vegetarian or vegan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the simple act of just reducing some red meat in your diet mm-hmm. is... Uh, significant change we can all make. They say if cattle were their own continent, if we took all the cattle around the world and made them into their own continent, they'd be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just astounding. And that's the decision we make on a daily basis. And the other food-related one is food waste management. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking in the next 30 years about saving close to a trillion dollars in some cases and billions and billions of gigatons of CO2. And by simply reducing our food waste management, which means on a person to person level, I get to decide when I'm in the grocery store, just how much I need so that none of my food gets accidentally thrown out. Mm -hmm. I make sure that my refrigerator doesn't become a graveyard for my food. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that if I go out, I'm ordering enough and I'm taking things back with me so that all of that excess waste doesn't just turn into mm-hmm. into a landfill. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just two of the most simple practices that I've been doing uh, for some time now. And I love to share with people because a lot of people come to me, close friends and family, and ask, like, what are some simple things I can do to kind of reduce my carbon footprint mm-hmm. without costing me money? And those two things are actually saving money in the long run, right? Uh, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I I heard uh, Paul uh, give a talk, uh, mm-hmm. probably on YouTube, after he had looked at a whole bunch of data that they had been uh-huh. collecting. And he listed, like, the top. He was surprised at the top two or three things that could uh-huh. change. And I I had meant to remember those, and I, I'm not sure the two things you've mentioned were um, right at the top or not. But, yeah, but, I believe food waste management uh, is either number four or seven, and, and plant-based diet is either number four or seven. Um, mm-hmm. I believe the first, the number one solution is uh, refrigeration management. Hmm. So the gigantic uh, refrigerators that are across every single grocery store, oh. our AC units, uh, the own refrigeration and AC units we have in our own home, so it's, it's broken down into household and commercial. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Ah. And then number two, uh, I believe, is either... Girls' education, girls' or education, family planning stands out yeah. to me. Yeah, about yeah. actually both of those. Uh, pro- mm-hmm. I probably heard the first one, but it didn't click as powerfully as the the next two. The right girls' and, education and family planning. Yeah, yeah, and, and he says if you added those two together, mm-hmm. yes, so educating girls and family planning. Yes, you're going to get 
the number one yes. solution. Yes. Yeah. And again, we're talking like reducing tens of billions of gigatons of carbon mm-hmm. dioxide and trillions of dollars saved in the next 30 years, which is just incredible because that just comes down to education. Right. Uh, education. Teaching, teaching <laughs> girls. Uh, and giving them an education because then they're able to make um, the decisions about their own lives. And of course, in every life we have uh, procreation. And so um, I believe the difference between uh, a, a girl who has been, who, who hasn't had uh, primary and secondary education and a girl that, uh, makes it through primary and secondary education mm-hmm. is the between uh, six kids and your average two kids. So they're, they're, they're on average having four more children than, than they're supposed to just wow. due to a lack of sex education and family mm-hmm. planning. Mm-hmm. And there's also ancillary things as well, like lowering STDs mm-hmm. and right. uh, no mortality rates are dropping and girls are also contributing to economic growth in these countries as well. And um, so, yeah, that's, it's, 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 it touches the heart to, to know that um, we can all focus on solutions like making school more affordable, um, helping girls and mm-hmm. women barriers, trying to build more schools to reduce the amount of time it takes for, for kids to get to school mm-hmm. and all schools more girl-friendly and female-friendly is is just as important. Hmm. Thank you for reminding me of those things that that Paul has brought out to all of us. Yeah. 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 How are people, Daniel O'Gwen, how are people going to learn about your, oh, something called Artquake or learn Hmm. about an album? You do music too, something all this love. Uh, you got a lot of stuff going, and and I don't know how people are gonna. Yeah, find that. Um, my my mind is complex, <laughs> and it needs to go in random places at random times uh, to touch on those two particular things uh, to keep in line with what we were just previously talking about. Artquake mm-hmm. is still in its nascent. But it's under the umbrella of ELSA, the nonprofit that is hosting the Odyssey Retreat this year. And let's and spell that community. out so people can find it online. It's E L L S A. Oh, S S A, right. Two L's uh-huh. and two S's, right. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Because uh, we go double the length at all times. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. I have no idea why I said that. <laughs> uh, but it actually stands for Enlighten, Lift, Love, Serve, Share, Awaken. And those are the principles by which Elsa is always operating. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, the founder of the NTO, um, was, I think, inspired and touched by the concept of artquake, which basically means making an impact through art. Mm-hmm. And so the pioneer product was a tiny enamel pin which was a skull made of coral Hmm. and what it stood for it was a metaphor for the death of coral reefs Hmm. something that is very close to my heart because 
my father and I would go snorkeling and diving all the time when I was a kid. Hmm. And to see the destruction of them through climate change Mm -hmm. uh, is saddening. And I I dove really deep into it, Mm -hmm. uh, into, you know, what was going on and potential solutions. And my goal with Artquake was to sell that tin and to sell T-shirts and posters and prints and hold fundraising dinners. We held a fundraising dinner in New York where any ticket for the dinner was sold. Portion of the proceeds automatically went to uh, nonprofits that specialized in restoring coral reefs. Mm. Uh, one of which is Plant a Million Corals, mm. which was founded by Dr. David Vaughn in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he discovered a technique called microfragmentation, where if you he accidentally broke off a piece of elk horn coral and realize that when it's broken off into a small piece, it actually grows 15 to 25% faster. So through the practice of microfragmentation, he's able to plant hundreds of thousands of corals a year. Wow. And they grow at these expedited rates. So I just was like, wow, Mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily know the science. I don't know exactly what to do, but what I can do is I can use my artwork to garner attention and to galvanize people to fall in love with coral, mm-hmm. learn about the problem, learn about the solutions, mm-hmm. and then dedicate some of their hard-earned money to the solution of which they choose. And you get rewarded in the process. So it seemed like a really fun idea, and um, it filled me with purpose and value and uh, allowed me to connect with a lot of amazing people. And... Um, our good friend Abe, as well, who's based in Portland, was there for the journey and helped get us sponsors by Goddess Garden, who was one of the pioneering sunblocks to ban um, some of the chemicals that right. actually kill coral reefs. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, Guayaquil, he, he got us sponsorships with them, and they're huge advocates for the environment. And um, so with, with our team, uh, we were able to do something really magical with, with Artquake, and now we're just kind of infusing the philosophy of Artquake into Odyssey. All right. And hoping to inspire people. You know, the reward, obviously, is you get to have an amazing experience and, and learn a whole lot. And so every portion of the ticket sold for Odyssey is actually going to be donated to Plant a Million Corals. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, Daniel... Mm-hmm. It's eleven o'clock. Wow, it feels <laughs> yeah. like it's been ten minutes. I'm I'm crying because <laughs> uh, we have to make room for Terry Gross and fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, um, I I know my good friend Adrian is listening. He's my co-creative partner for the album you wanted to talk about, and he's probably crying as well right now. Like, why didn't you talk about the album, Daniel? <laughs> we'll have to look it up online. Daniel yeah. Oguin, O G U I N. Yeah, and you can look up All This Love. All This Love. Okay. Yeah, and and you should see it on Spotify. And And look up Elsa, E-L-L-S-S-A, Odyssey, 2020, Social Artistry. Hey, Daniel, we got to do more later. I appreciate all of your time and this opportunity, Dick. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Likewise, likewise. And friends, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner more peaceful and more loving than you found it because if it is to be it is up to us
Take care. Talk to you soon.